our heavenly and awesome and majestic God. We're thankful, Father, for another opportunity to open up our Bibles and learn and grow from the teachings of Jesus. We're thankful, Father, that your son came into this world 2,000 years ago to live a perfect life, to give perfect teaching, to provide a perfect example, and to give himself as a perfect sacrifice on the cross for our sins. Bless us, Father, as we try to learn from the master teacher, Jesus, in this study. Bless us as we try to learn from his parables, Father, so that we can learn more about the kingdom of God and the kind of citizens you've called us to be in that kingdom. Thank you, Father, for your Bible that pricks, convicts, and increases our faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good evening. Good evening, dear friends. Thank you for tuning in to another Bible study video. This past Sunday, this past Lord's Day, we began a new series of classes entitled Parables of Jesus through the month of, through the month of September. We are going to be studying several parables of Jesus that are found in the Gospels. We are doing this primarily to keep us focused on our theme as a congregation at Monta Vista Church of Christ, and that theme is experiencing the fullness of Christ. This year, we want to know more about Jesus. We want to draw closer to Jesus. We want to get our minds more focused and immersed in the teachings of Jesus. So we are studying the parables of Jesus, and among the most familiar and famous of the Lord's parables is the parable we're going to study tonight, and that is the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower. The parable of the sower is one of the most familiar parables of Jesus. It is actually one of the few parables that is found in all three or in at least three of the four Gospels. It is found in the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Mark, and the Gospel of Luke. Now this parable illustrates how different hearts respond to the Word of God. This parable is about how people respond to the sacred scriptures. From this parable, we see that that people are going to respond to the word of God after hearing it in at least one of four ways. Now, one of the great things about this parable, and the thing I really love about this parable, is anybody, any person, it doesn't matter if you are seasoned or young, it doesn't matter if you've been a, a Christian for 30, 40, or 50 years, or if you've only been a Christian for a year, it doesn't matter who you are or where you come from or where you're at in your life, you can find yourself somewhere in this parable. This is a parable that has, has application for everyone. Every person, every person can find themselves somewhere in this parable. This is a parable that is for all humanity. Now, while this parable is found in three of the four Gospels, for the purpose of this study, I wanted to direct our attention to Matthew's record of it. When you go in your Bible to Matthew, the 13th chapter, Matthew chapter 13, we're going to plant ourselves here in the Gospel of Matthew, 
for this study. And we're going to listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 13. Let's start with verse number 1. Matthew 13 and verse 1. The Bible says this. It says, That day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea. And large crowds gathered to him so that he got, in, so that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. Now, let me just pause here. I think that when Jesus begins with these words, he's actually pointing at a sower. He's probably found somebody who's actually doing this right now. He is using an actual person doing this. As a, as a visual aid. And so imagine this in your mind. Jesus has people before him, a large crowd, and he sees somebody. He sees someone, he sees someone in the distance, and he says, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell in the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out, and others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, as we begin talking about this parable, let me begin by suggesting that to really be able to appreciate what the Lord is teaching in this parable, it is important that we just pause for a moment or two and really try to emphasize the different figures that he uses in the story. There are several figures that Jesus uses here to teach the parable of the sower. For example, one of the figures that he uses here is seed. He talks about seed and he also talks about a sower. He says there was a day when a sower went out sowing seed. He went out and he got his seed, and he started throwing it everywhere. He was throwing his seed all over the field. He was throwing his seed all over the place. You got seed, and you got a sower, and you also, you also have soils. You have a sower who goes out sowing seed on soils. In fact, Jesus says that as the sower went out throwing the seed, the seed landed on four different types of soils. Four different types of soils. A sower goes out and he sows seed on four different kinds of soils. Now that's the story that Jesus tells. And here's one of the great things about this parable. One of the great things about this parable is we don't have to guess about its meaning. We, we don't have to spend a, a long time really thinking about it and 
And we don't have to go get a commentary or a Greek lexicon. We don't need that kind of stuff to understand this parable. Why? Because Jesus tells us the meaning. Jesus tells us exactly what this parable means. And he does so down in Matthew chapter 13. So go down to Matthew 13 and verse 18. Matthew 13 and verse 18. As you turn there... As you turn there, let me just spend a moment or two really quick before we start reading with verse 18 to bring out this point about this kind of soil, the kind of soil that Jesus is going to plant the seed on. First, notice how Jesus says that as the sower went out sowing the seed, some of the seed fell on the wayside. Did you notice that? It fell on the wayside. It fell on some soil well, the birds came and quickly devoured it. It never grew. It never did anything good. Some of the seed also fell on the stony ground. In this case, Jesus said that the seed grew, but it didn't do well. It didn't bring forth a harvest because of the sun. The hot sun killed the plant. The, the, the seed could not grow well on the stony ground. And then you got the thorny ground. The ground where the seed falls on thorns and thistles. This seed grows. It does well for a time, but soon it is choked out and it's killed. And it's unfruitful because of the thorns. And then you got some falling on the good ground. This is where the sower wants all of his seed to go. He wants it to fall on ground where it can grow well, where it's getting just enough sun, it's able to get water, it's able to produce a crop. These are the four different kinds of soils. Wayside, stony or rocky, thorny, and good. Now, again, great thing about this parable is Jesus tells us exactly what it means. Look at verse 18. Verse 18, listen to what Jesus says. Hear then the parable of the sower. Hear the meaning. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one, that's the devil, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. The one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places. This is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word. And the worry of the world and deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. Okay, let's go back and notice what all the different figures in the parable represent. Let's start with the seed. 
what does the seed in the parable represent? Well, Jesus makes it very clear in verse number 19 that the seed represents the word of the kingdom. You put that language with Luke's account in Luke chapter 8 and verse 11, and Luke says, he records Jesus saying that the seed is the word of God. The seed is the Bible. The seed is that book that you have in front of you this morning. The seed in the parable is the word of God and the sower is the teacher. The sower is the person who goes out teaching and planting the seed in as many hearts as he can. What I'm doing right now is sowing seed. I'm sowing seed. I'm teaching the Bible. I'm teaching the word of God. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, says that he planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Paul says that both he and Apollos were sowers in Corinth. The teacher, the preacher, the Bible class teacher, the evangelist, these are the sowers. They sow the seed, which is the word of God. They teach the word of God and the soils are people's hearts. They are people's hearts. You see, right now, I'm sowing the seed into your heart. I'm sowing it on your heart. I'm teaching the word of God. And your heart right now is the soil. The soil is people's hearts. The, the sower is the teacher. And the seed is the word of God. According to Jesus, when people have the word of God planted in their hearts, they're going to respond to it in, in one or four ways. First, they may have a wayside kind of heart. They may have a wayside heart. That is, they may hear the word of God. They may hear teaching from the Bible, but they don't take that teaching seriously. They don't really do anything beyond hear the word of God. They don't let the word of God sink deep into their hearts. They easily dismiss the word of God. Why do they do that? Well, maybe they do that because they love the world too much. Maybe they don't want to consider what God has to say because they love living in sin too much. Maybe they love their false religion too much. Maybe it's because they're an atheist. Maybe they refuse to consider the evidence of the existence of God because they want to live their life doing their own thing. They don't want to be accountable to a higher power. They don't want to acknowledge God because if they do that, then they, also, then, they then also have to acknowledge that the Bible is his word and his word has expectations for how they live their lives. They can't live their life doing their own thing. Maybe they have this kind of heart because they don't want to acknowledge God. They certainly don't want to acknowledge his authority and how his word has authority in their lives. Maybe they don't take the word of God seriously because they just don't want to serve God. Maybe they believe in God. Maybe they believe in Jesus, but they don't want to serve Jesus. They don't want to live their lives worshiping the Lord. They don't want to live their lives by his moral standard. They don't want to live their lives by the standard he's revealed in the gospel. 
Maybe they don't take the word of God seriously because they're like Pharaoh in the days of Moses. Remember, no matter what Moses told Pharaoh, no matter what miracle was performed in Egypt, Pharaoh always hardened his heart. He was stubborn. No matter what miracle he saw, he was not going to believe in God. He always shook his fist at heaven. And there are people like that today. There are a host of reasons why some folks may have this kind of heart, but here's the bottom line. Regardless of the reason as to why a person has a wayside kind of heart, they're not going to be saved. They're not going to go to heaven. The person who has this heart, the person who hears the word of God and never takes it seriously, they will not go to heaven. They will not be able to go to heaven because they will never develop the kind of faith that pleases God. In Romans 10 and verse 17, Paul says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Jesus says some people hear the word. But they never let it sink deep into their hearts. But, but, but then as he talks about the rocky heart or the rocky soil, here he talks about the person who hears the word of God and he receives it joyfully. He embraces it. He takes hold of it. He believes it. He even obeys it. But due to various trials, due to persecutions, due to troubles and tribulations, and because this person doesn't have a firm root within themselves, Jesus says these people fall away. They fall away. You see, here Jesus is talking about people who become Christians, they believe in Jesus initially, and they initially repent of their sins, and they confess the, Jesus as the Lord, and they're even baptized for the remission of their sins, but eventually they fall away. They leave the Lord. Have you ever met any folks to do that before? You ever met any Christians or seen any Christians leave the Lord? If so, then understand that's the kind of person Jesus is talking about here. Here he's talking about the person who initially receives the word joyfully, but eventually they depart. They fall away for various reasons. And there are a couple of things I want to say about this kind of person. First, I want to say that this person that Jesus talks about here completely blows out of the water the doctrine of, of once saved, always saved. You ever heard of the doctrine of once saved, always saved? You ever heard of the doctrine that suggests that once a person gets saved, and usually when people say they, they're saved, they're talking about faith-only salvation, which is unbiblical. But the doctrine of once saved, always saved suggests that once a person gets saved, there's nothing they can do to lose their salvation. There's nothing they can do to, to be lost. They could curse God, curse Jesus, spit on the Bible, cheat on their spouse, and, and never repent of that, even murder someone and never repent of that, and they're still going to go to heaven. 
Their ticket to heaven has been punched, and there's nothing they can do to change it. That's what the doctrine of once saved, always saved suggests. But notice how here Jesus doesn't teach that. Here Jesus teaches that it is possible to receive the word with joy, to become a follower of his, but eventually fall away. That's what Jesus is teaching here. And this is something that is emphasized throughout the New Testament. I mean, throughout the New Testament, the gospel writers back up the words of Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12, as the Hebrew writers trying to persuade these Hebrew Christians not to leave Jesus and go back to living under the law of Moses, he says to them, take care, brethren. So notice he's talking to Christians here. He's talking to brethren. Take care, brethren, that there not being any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that what? That falls away. That falls away from the living God. Notice how here the Hebrew writer is trying to urge these Christians not to fall away from the living God. Once saved, always saved suggests that you can't fall away. The Hebrew writer here says the opposite. He says, don't develop an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. Paul says the same thing in Galatians 5 and verse 4. Here again, he's talking to Christians. And he's trying to urge them not to leave Jesus and try to be justified by the law of Moses. And he says in Galatians 5 and verse 4, you have been severed from Christ. The idea of being severed means cut off. The relationship is broken. You have been severed from Christ. You who are seeking to be justified by law, that is the law of Moses. If you're doing that, you have fallen from grace. The doctrine of once saved, always saved suggests that you can't fall from grace. Paul here teaches the opposite. Paul says that once you get into God's grace, if you don't continue on, if you don't continue being faithful to Jesus, you can't fall from grace. You can't fall from something that you're first not in. Paul says it's possible to fall from grace. And then Peter says to Christians in 2 Peter 2 and verse 20, he says in describing Christians who leave the Lord, he says, for if after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Notice how People who come to the Lord, people who receive the word initially with joy, they escape the defilements of the world. They become holy. They become children of God. They're no longer children of Satan. But if after we do that and we leave Jesus, he says, Peter says it's impossible to, to get entangled in the things of the world again. It's possible to, to escape the defilements of the world, but once again get entangled in them. And if that happens to us, if we get entangled again in the things of the world, and if we are overcome by those things, the last state has become worse for us than the first. In other words, a Christian is worse off. He's worse off after he leaves the Lord than he was before he even obeyed the gospel. In fact, Peter goes on to describe that person as being like a dog who eats his own vomit or like a pig who returns right back to the mud after being cleaned up. Here Peter says it is possible to escape the defilements of the world, but again, 
get entangled in those things, to leave the Lord. And then Paul says this about himself in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 26 through 27. An inspired apostle, a man who had miraculous power, who could impart spiritual gifts, who had seen the risen Savior with his own eyes, he himself says, therefore a box, a box in such a, or a run in such a way is not without aim. A box in such a way is not beating the air, but I what? I disciplined my body. Paul says he disciplined his body. If once saved, always saved was true, then why does Paul have to keep disciplining his body? He says, I discipline my body and I make it my slave. Why? So that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Paul says that he could be disqualified from the spiritual race if he didn't discipline himself. Paul says that he could lose his salvation. He could be disqualified from the spiritual race. That's what Paul said. And he's an inspired apostle. point is this kind of person that Jesus is talking about that has the rocky soil kind of heart this person is talked about throughout the Bible throughout the Bible the gospel writers talk about the person who initially received the word with joy they embrace it they believe it they even obey it but as time goes by for various reasons they fall away. Jesus talks about the Christian who falls away. Then we come to the thorny heart. We come to the person who has the kind of heart to where they receive the word of God. They receive it. The idea of receiving it means it's just like the rocky soil. They believe it. They embrace it. They even obey it. But the cares of the world the riches of the world, the troubles of the world choke out the word. And these people become unfruitful. They're unfruitful. They're unfruitful. I keep saying that for a reason. I'm saying that because here we got to really challenge ourselves to be good students of the text. You see, my friends, out of all the soils that are mentioned here in Matthew 13, this one, this part of the parable, seems to give people the most problems. It gives people the most problems because when most people read this part of the parable, they, they assume something that's not there. They assume information that is not in the text. They assume that the person Jesus talks about here falls away. Brothers and sisters, the text does not say that. It doesn't say that here in Matthew 13. It doesn't say that in Mark's account. It doesn't say that in Luke chapter 8. The text never says that this person falls away. It never says that. Now, don't misunderstand. This person doesn't please God. They don't please Jesus, but they don't fall away. The text never says that. What does the text say? Well, notice again, Matthew 13, 22. And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word 
and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, chokes the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Do you see falling away any there, anywhere there in that text? No. Jesus doesn't use that here because he already talked about that person in the previous part when he talked about the rocky soil. Look over at Luke's account of this, Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, verse number 14. Luke 8, verse 14. The seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard. And as they go on their way, they're choked with the worries and the riches and pleasures of this life, and they bring no fruit to maturity. Luke says the very same thing. The text doesn't say these people fall away. The text doesn't say that these people go away. The text doesn't say that these people leave the Lord altogether. Instead, the text says they're unfruitful. In fact, my dear friends, the truth is the people or the person that Jesus talks about in this part of the parable may be the kind of person who's sitting in church services every single Sunday. This could be the person who comes to every Sunday service and every Wednesday, every Wednesday night Bible study. They come to all the services and they sing the songs and they put a few bucks in the collection plate and they listen to the preaching, but because of the distractions of this life, this person never grows. They come to church every Sunday, but they don't really mature. They don't grow as servants of God. They don't bear fruit for the glory of God. That's the kind of person that Jesus is talking about here. And I want to emphasize that this person, this soil that the Lord is talking about here, it may represent more Christians in this story than any other part. It may represent more Christians in the church than we would like to admit. You see, unfortunately, for so many Christians, they are content. They're really content with just giving God the bare minimum. I mean, they come to services. They may come to all the services. But they don't read their Bibles every day. They don't pick up their Bibles Outside of their times gathered in the church building, they don't pray consistently. They don't really put their hearts in their worship. They don't really think about the words, the songs that they're singing. They just mouth the words. They don't really give generously and sacrificially to God. They don't really get involved in the work of the local church. They don't evangelize. They don't try to win the lost. They don't look for ways to serve the brothers and their sisters in Christ. You see, there are a lot of Christians who live that way every single day, all the time. And if that happens to describe you, my friend, and I don't know if it does, only the Lord and you know that, but if it happens to describe you, I want you to know that you are who Jesus is talking about in this part of the parable. Here, Jesus is talking about the unfruitful Christian. 
the Christian who may come to all the services, but he really, or, or he or she never really grows. They never mature. They're not bringing a good crop before the Lord. That's who Jesus is talking about there. But then we come to the final part of the parable, and that's the good soil, the good ground. And I want us to know that this is the only person in the parable who is commended by Jesus. This is the only person who is complimented by Jesus. You see, this person not only hears the word of God, hears the word of God, but unlike the thorny ground person, this person bears fruit. When we say bear fruit, we don't just mean evangelism, although that's part of it, but bearing fruit just means growing for the Lord, growing in your knowledge. Growing in your service, overcoming whatever struggles you may have in your life, whether it's you have problems with uncontrolled anger or pessimistic thinking, or if you struggle with gossip, or if you're struggling with understanding certain parts of the scripture and you grow in that knowledge of the scripture, you grow in your Old Testament knowledge, you grow in your knowledge of the prophets. To grow in your knowledge of some of the deeper things that Jesus even teaches in his parables. When you grow in your knowledge, when you grow in your faith, when you grow in your service, when you're constantly seeking ways to win lost souls and share the gospel, now you're a person that's bearing fruit. Now you're a person that's developing and becoming more like Jesus all the time. This person not only hears the word of God, but also bears fruit. And this is the only person in the parable that is saved. Only the, the crop, only the person who brings forth a crop, that's the only person that's saved in the parable. And my dear friends, throughout the gospel, we're urged to, to be that kind of person. In John 15 and verse 8, Jesus says, My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. God is glorified when we bear much fruit. Again, bearing much fruit goes beyond just evangelism. It's talking about growing in your knowledge and your faith and your service and your patience and every aspect of being a Christian. When you bear fruit for the Lord, you glorify God and you prove to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. In 2 Peter 3 and verse 18, Peter says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. There Peter is talking about the same thing as Jesus. He's talking about growing and bearing some fruit. Ephesians 4 and verse 15, Paul says, But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. Notice, grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ. Throughout the New Testament, we're urged to be the people that is mentioned on the good ground. We're urged by the New Testament writers to grow for the Lord. But the fact of the matter is, it's up to us to do that. We have to make the choice to do that. Can't, we can't ride on each other's coattails when it comes to spiritual growth. We have to choose to grow. When it comes to these four different soils that are mentioned, Matthew 13, each of us, each of us determines which soil we're going to be. Each of us determines what kind of heart we're going to have. We all make choices as to whether or not we're going to be the wayside soil or the stony ground or the ground filled with the thorns 
or the good ground, which whatever soil we, we are when it comes to this parable, it's up to us to determine that. We make that choice. God doesn't make that choice for us. We determine what kind of heart that we have. And again, only the person with the good heart, only the person with the good soil will be saved. And so the question is, what kind of heart do you have? What kind of soil do you have right now? Do you have the wayside soil for your heart? Do you have a wayside heart? Are you someone who's just hearing the word of God and just easily dismissing it? Do you have a rocky kind of heart? Are you a Christian that's watching right now that's fallen away? You've left the Lord. You're no longer serving him faithfully. Does that describe you? Do you have a thorny heart? Do you have the kind of heart to, to where, you know, you're, you're, you're going to services. You haven't done enough to be withdrawn from in a local church, but you're not really growing. You're not bearing fruit, not growing in your knowledge, not growing in your faith, not growing in your service, not growing in your desire to seek the law. So does that describe you? Or are you the good ground? Are you the person that truly loves the Lord? You're growing all the time, every single day, and you're becoming more and more like Jesus. My dear friends, I want to close by saying that while this parable is easy to understand, and it's an easy to understand parable, it's still very powerful. It's still some of the most powerful teaching of Jesus. And the reason why is because we all, we all, me and you, we can find ourselves somewhere in that parable. We all have one of those four kind of hearts, and may God bless us to have the right kind of heart, the fourth one. So that concludes the teaching of the parable of the sower. It's a great parable about the power of the word of God and how we should properly respond to God's word. On the Lord's Day, we're going to move on and we're going to study another parable. We're going to look at the parable of the Good Samaritan a very famous story that Jesus told. I hope you'll join me for that. We'll be looking at Luke, the 10th chapter, and I look forward, Lord willing, to studying with you again then.